What's happening, people? Welcome back to the show. My guest today is Ryan Long. He's a comedian, director, and a podcaster. What do White Claw, Elon Musk, Andrew Cuomo's daughter's sexuality, Jewel, OnlyFans, Dan Bilzerian, John McAfee, Winston from Mumford & Sons, Ollie London, and a kinky Thanksgiving parade have in common? Absolutely nothing. And that's exactly what we talk about today. You will definitely have seen some of Ryan's sketches on the internet, the woman catcalling men, the Hollywood movie producers planning their new film that just came out last week. He's crushing it everywhere, YouTube and podcasting, and it's just nice to have a conversation where we don't have an agenda, we're just chatting about mad stuff that's happened recently. You're really going to enjoy this one. Also, I am still away in Ibiza, which means there is no Saturday episode this week. Mm, I know, very sad. However, I'll be back and three episodes, Monday, Thursday and Saturday, will resume next week. Normal service will be back as soon as I return, tanned and probably a little bit bloated from having too much bread and tapas. All right, quick maths. The less that your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have, the more money that you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce the costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite, and you are improving efficiency by bringing all your business processes into one platform. Over 37 thousand companies have already made the move so do the maths and see how you will profit with NetSuite. Back by popular demand NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com modern right now. That's netsuite.com modern. But now it's time for the wise and wonderful Ryan Long. Ryan Long, welcome to the show. We're here. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought we were recording. I was, I was trashing everybody in the industry. I was, fucking, I was getting into it. Dude. <laughs> you're in full flow already. Yeah, you're right. Trending headline <laughs> right now. Big headline. Andrew Cuomo's daughter has come out as demisexual. Did you see this? Yeah, she's hot too. Did you see her? Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, demisexual is like, the that's the epitome of like, I want in the club. And you go... I don't know if I'm, you know, are you gay? No, and you go, demisexual is the, the funniest. You change nothing. Like, Yo, you change nothing at all. You change nothing. Yo, you go, I'm, I'm attracted to like people's personalities or something. <laughs> <laughs> so for the people that don't know, it's like uh, you only feel sexually attracted to someone when there's an emotional bond. Like how that qualifies as an orientation. Yeah, honestly. I feel so, you know, I'm just, I'm sad that she had to go through that. And I'm, you know, coming out of the closet. That's hard for people, you know what I mean? When you come out and you go, listen, I am attracted to people, right? Like their personalities. Everyone's like, oh my God, like, <laughs> your life Shocking. has been so hard. They should make a separate parade for you. They need a, they need a Demi, a Demi Pride parade. <laughs> you know, it's making me laugh, the idea of, you know, there is an article saying that they have they're gonna have kink in the like whether they should have kink for kid like in the pride parade. 
you know, like the guys with ball. I want to go, I, I, I want to do a street thing. We're asking people, it, like, wearing the leather and stuff, saying that uh, we're trying to campaign to get kink at the Thanksgiving Day Parade. So, <laughs> <laughs> Got the turkeys all dressed up in leather. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We think that that's only reasonable. But the Demi Parade, they need their own parade. That's a... Uh, it's a tough affliction. Well, it says everything now, right? That like demisexual is is like the biggest counterculture that you could have. Like that you actually have to take a little bit of time before you get involved in some sort of sexual explicitness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if they take time. They just have to like the personality. I think you could still be a hoe and be Oh, demi. okay. <laughs> that's all right. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. So it doesn't actually need to take time to get the emotional bond. You just need to like the personality. What about uh, a parade for dudes that bus quick? Like that? That's, our, <laughs> that's the that's, premature parade. Like a, yeah, yeah, the premature parade. And like I identify, that's my orientation where girls are like, why are you busing so quick? And you're like, wow, wow. That is, you're going to shame my identity like that. Well, what about the alternative? What's like the opposite of a demisexual? Like the guy that will just sleep with anything, doesn't care at all. If the person that wants to wait and needs the emotional connection doesn't sleep with the person that wants to fuck them within three seconds, is that discrimination? Yeah. Well, no. And what I'll tell you is probably the best way of describing all this stuff is it's all like girl stuff, you know, and even like the dudes that are on board with it, it's girl stuff. So it's like what she did was essentially they've taken a really long route to like have a, a term for just like what every girl a little bit is. You know what I mean? So it's like. The, 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 the demisexual is the end of the line where now every single girl can have like an interesting term. Yeah, you got to have and a membership guy. into the club, but it's the lowest barrier to entry of anyone. Yeah. And then we can all we can all just be like, listen, yeah, girls, you do all this like stuff and you can give yourself all your titles and like we cannot care anymore. <laughs> I love it, man. And, you... and dudes can go back to just fucking plow and fucking... <laughs> <laughs> the premature parade. At the premature parade, yeah. If you were a girl, do you reckon you'd do OnlyFans? Because I spend far more time than you'd expect thinking about whether or not I'd do OnlyFans if I was a girl. Really? Well, you can as a guy, right? But there's like it's a way only there's the guy wage gap, right? It's, yeah, there is. There's a gender wage gap. Terrifying. Yeah. Do you know what else there is that I, I've been talking about this on stage? But there's a there's a red hair wage gap. I don't know if you know that. Where like people with red less. hair make less money. They make less money. And some people think it's because of the jobs they take. Like there's less money in being a carnival operator or a backyard wrestler or uh, biting the heads off chickens. But um... I thought <laughs> I thought that I thought you meant that they made specifically less on OnlyFans. Like people were like, I don't want to see that ginger no, pubic hair. Make less money in general, but I identify as part of the community. I have a few reds in my beard. I yeah, think me, you probably me too. Me too. Yeah, exactly. We're a yeah. very very ostracized people. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I would, to be honest. I I mean. It's hard to, I, I think I always have this conversation, it's always funny to like that conversation, like if I was a girl, and people always say this with races, right? They're like, if you were a black guy, like, would you think like this? And I'm like, well, am I still me or am I a different guy? Because <laughs> like, if I'm still me, like I have a pretty contrarian like personality, like my guess would be that I would find myself like in whatever counterculture, you know, surrounded me then. But if like, if you're like, well, you're, a, you have a different brain, well, then you're like, well, yeah, then yeah, I'd be different in that scenario if I'm a different guy. But with the girl, if I if I'm me, I think that I'd be a you know probably doing some version of comedy or you know something like that as a girl. But what? if I'm like some 
Yeah, so it's hard to say because if, if I'm me still, probably not. But what's the? Is there a difference in male comics and female comics in terms of what they get? I mean, paid? What do you, what do you, why don't you get into your opinions on that? Oh, no, I mean, is there a difference in terms of how <laughs> no, much no, they get paid? The most thing. Yeah, yeah. There's guy comedy, and then we go, okay, guys. Uh, I hope you had fun with that person. Now we're gonna do the. Uh, there's some girl comedy portion <laughs> of the show. Oh, shit. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know that it was that bad. I mean, when you think about the Netflix yeah. specials and stuff, not a massive no, amount of women on there. I think that. Um, I think that uh, there is like a difference in if you're masculine versus feminine, like how you do well, but it's the same thing in real life. You know what I mean? If, uh, I mean, there's, you're commanding a room full of people, you know what I mean? So it kind of is just like a masculine art form to begin with. And people are comfortable hearing uh, a woman talk about different things than a man. And there's, there's, there's like, here's a perfect example. Like if you were at like a, a bar or something like that, and some girl comes up to you and kind of like makes fun of you, you might not feel something about that, right? But if a guy came up to you and he kind of like tried to just come out of nowhere and take a dig at your personality or something in front of your chick, you're like, yo, what the, like, so there's just different, you know, the girl, a girl could come steal your hat at a bar and it's not gonna be a fight, whereas a guy can, right? But then there's vice versa with that, right? So on stage, it's the same thing. Like everyone is willing to like take, take different, uh, you know, you're allowed to kind of do different things based on like the culture of people there on dates, right? So if you're a girl, you want to make sure that girl doesn't think you're like trying to steal her dude. And there's, if you're a guy, the same thing, right? So there's like just these, all these like dynamics that are no different than real life. Demisexual, that's the solution. Everybody stay demisexual and then you're all safe from it. It literally solves all problems. And it solves the problems of if every girl is in like the victim class, then, you know, you kind of, you know, don't really have to hear it about it anymore. <laughs> it's just everyone. That's true. I had this quote, uh, Carl Benjamin, guy from over here said, in the same way that constant access to porn is deforming men's expectations of women, OnlyFans is deforming women's expectations of men. That was something that I'd never really thought about. The fact that the way that the girls that perhaps do OnlyFans or maybe have a friend that does OnlyFans or even a friend that, I don't know, is on the, the outside, you know, they just do foot stuff maybe, or I don't know, something else. Yeah. What that means for sort of the relationship between a, a girl and a guy now like what do they expect from each other i think that was quite interesting there's there's kind of i always like think that the one of the biggest problems with um everything right now and like the, the biggest like disconnect in the conversation is that people want to like normalize things that are sort of like cowboy lifestyles and like for me like i've sort of lived a cowboy lifestyle like i was you know i've been like a comic and a, been on the you know lived on tour to 2200 you know days a year and never had a normal job and then scraped by doing this and then was kind of like i've just lived this like super alternative lifestyle my entire life right and even with when it comes to like relationships and a lot of times stuff like that but it's like a hard thing to do and it takes like a specific type of person and it also takes you know kind of a lot of uh trying to I don't know if like mental resilience, but you need to like focus on, you know, not being a mess because otherwise you just end up like a depressed alcoholic or some shit. Right. So I think that if you're a certain type of person, none of this matters, but the truth is like, yeah, if you're like a certain type of, you know, let's say a weaker person, you go, yeah, you probably can't handle that lifestyle, but some people can. So that's, it, it all depends on like who you are. You know what I mean? I don't think it's as simple as it is or isn't 
good. It's like, yo, are you the type of person that can handle this shit? And then if when they're not, they do it and then they go, society needs to like change to make this easier. And you go, no, you weren't suited for that thing. That's what I think like kind of a lot of this stuff uh, revolves around. But the same way, if you're a dude that's like out there smashing, like if you're some 20 year old, that's just like running through chicks or like, let's say a hockey, like a, like a, you know, professional football player or something, you know what I mean? Or whatever, in a famous rapper or something, right? Those guys, it's the same sort of thing. Like you, when you, when women are that disposable, like it does make you uh, think of girls as like, look at it, like they're nothing, you know what I mean? And they're all schemy, like they're all up to something. You don't trust them, and it's, a because the type of girls you're around and how they are around you, and b like you just see like the worst side of them. I think. I can't remember who the rapper so was, probably, yeah. but a rapper, a rapper came to Newcastle and had sent one of his assistants out into the crowd and uh, wanted to sleep with a redhead that night. So his assistant yeah. and a couple of her friends had gone out into the crowd on like redhead watch and they'd gone and spoken to four or five different redheads that were in the crowd that they thought could like be- you, Yeah, like the Rod Stewart style. Yeah, it could be suitable candidates. Like tonight I fancy hmm, someone Lithuanian. Let's find someone Lithuanian in the crowd. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It turns you into this psychopath. <laughs> fucking mental. I couldn't believe that. Apparently this girl had turned up and in the tour bus there was her and four of the redheads. Yeah, and then the ra- the rapper is like, hmm, after much uh, deliberation, <laughs> I decided to go with fat white chick again. <laughs> 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 For the ninth night in a row, sire? <laughs> <laughs> but the plebs, they are not up to standard tonight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess, like, being that guy probably, you know, makes you think that they're especially after some chick that's online selling your feet and you have a nine thousand dudes like simping like oh, but oh, if i give you an extra 20 bucks can you say yeah it's like you're like yo dudes are losers <laughs> but yeah, difficult to hold on to that yeah. man but i think um it's interesting about having the drugs and the sex but none of the rock and roll as a part of that like you can live the lifestyle <laughs> yeah. you can live the lifestyle of someone that's this sort of traveling yeah, itinerant good. Yeah, yeah no shit girls always good yeah g- g- like there's no dude that's living the lifestyle of, of a billionaire without being a billionaire guess what there are a million girls that are out there living like they're a billionaire right now so this ain't a new thing that like girls can fucking you know live like that even without doing the thing that's you know what a groupie was whatever but this you know me yeah they don't even have to be like hot now <laughs> Dude, these chicks are like sixes and they're like, yo, top one percent only fans. They're like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <If> <laughs> dudes are so funny, dude. If Just you've got thin dom by some six. If you've got in your bio London, Miami, Dubai, and no <laughs> verifiable source of income. <laughs> that's what's happening. Those guys are funny. Yeah, I, I agree. Those guys are so funny with all that. Like, you live in every city. I know I know some specific dudes like that. They are, like, live in every city, and you're like, yeah, on a couch. <laughs> Have you got any money in crypto? Yeah, I got, like, I don't know, like, 30 grand or something. All right. Have you learned anything over have, the, last, the last year? Because it's been... I just have Ethereum and Bitcoin. Dude, my body just fucking made a fortune. Sh- like, sh- he went long Bitcoin, short Dogecoin, and, like, short like le- mad like leverage shorted dogecoin like but it, but he 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 uh, uh what do you call it um hedged it by by having long bitcoin in his mind but 
that trade you like destroyed on. But no, I kind of I kind of just have probably like 70% Ethereum, 30% Bitcoin. I just have it. To, I think my body said this and I maybe agree a little bit. I'm sure like if you're like, you know, you're into crypto more that it might sound stupid, but it is to me a little like of a like fashion. It's almost like a little fashionable. And I think I agree with that. But, you know, I don't have like some crazy percentage of portfolio in there or something. Why? Is that, are you like a big, big? No, not at all. Not at all. No, I've got like a few grand in. It was like FOMO coin. I just thought, right, I need to put something, I need to put something in because everybody else is talking about it. Managed to snipe, not quite at the top, but not far off the top on a buy. And I'm like, right, okay, well, this was. This was a fun way to lose five grand. It's a fun way, fun way to lose <laughs> I did, five. I just, did, I just did a sketch, um, the, uh, Elon Musk groupie support group about like all the dudes <laughs> that were just like, you know what I mean, just hanging out his word, and you don't even move the markets anymore. So I, that's uh, I did that with. So my bot, that guy Danny, I just mentioned, he run he. We used to, I used to run uh, the video department and I was part owner of this website called The Hard Times. And they have a website called The Hard Money, which is like a financial satire site. It's pretty funny. So we're doing it as like a collaboration with those guys. That's pretty cool. Did you see? Uh... Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. I'm not going to, I'm just leaving it. I like, I, I don't, I haven't sold it. I didn't even, I bought it on coin, like a Coinbase. Like those fees are so ridiculous too. Like, but it's just because my, all my banking so screwed up just because like I immigrated here not long that long ago and there's just so uh, it's like I literally was just like screw it I'll take a hit and I just like when it when it was down a lot I bought you know I just kind of bought in and I'll probably leave it for 10 years or something I'm not gonna think about it it's weird to me because so many of the people that are passionate about Bitcoin or blockchain or whatever just seem to be passionate about making money but it's all guarded yeah. underneath like yeah man but decentralized it means that the people in the third world can make their payments from wherever they want it's like you don't care you don't care about people in yeah. ghana being able to send money back to their grandmother you care about <laughs> the fact that it doubles every couple of months yeah well you have to kind of like because legitimately you got to be like a salesperson right it's because the whole thing's based on perception so if you have your army out there convincing people like legitimately you say it doubles every two months. Well, if every single one of those guys is able to convince one person at a bar to invest like they did, it'll keep doubling. <laughs> well, why not? In that case, why not so, say, why not just like go completely open and say, I like Bitcoin and the blockchain because it doubles every two months and stop talking about people in Ghana sending money to their mother? Because I think you need, the, the, there's, I mean, think of it with a stock. If someone was telling you, who cares what the company is? It doubles every month. Like that's not going to convince people. Like you need to get them as part of the gospel. Like you need to, they need to believe that this is, this is not just like that, that there's value here, that they're investing in the future. Like they, no one wants to invest in, you know, what is by that description, a Ponzi scheme. right? <laughs> I mean, if you can change something from a Ponzi scheme to not a Ponzi scheme, simply by changing the advertising, I'm not sure that that's the most stable foundation for it to be built on. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm of the, probably the best way to describe it is like, listen, this, if Bitcoin and this blockchain technology is kind of the future, there is only a limited part of it. It'd be the equivalent of if, if like there was back in the day when the internet came out and everyone, you can invest in, you own 1% of the internet right now. 
and there is only a, a certain amount and it became the biggest thing and it does have a value. So that would probably be the best description where you go, okay, but there's also 45,000 other places saying we're going to be the main internet. And then there's also all the regulations. And then there's also the government's going to be like, yeah, I don't think you guys are out of your mind if you think you're going to own the fucking internet <laughs> and we're not, like, you know, and what, so there's all this, you know, it's like a lot going on, right? Man, I watched this documentary, what? this like miniature documentary on YouTube about John McAfee last night. Have you looked at this? Yeah, Have you looked at all of this shit? It's crazy. <laughs> I used to pay attention to him. He was the man. So the John McAfee stuff's wild. Yeah. And he legitimately said, you know, and this isn't to get any coverage because of whatever, you know, maybe I'm in my little, you know, circles of getting coverage but <laughs> to the real world. The guy... Well, yeah, here, you, you can, I don't know if you're going to like intro it or whatever. But you go away, man. Go. You tell, you tell the story. I'll jump in. Yeah. So McAfee, he, you know, he invented Mac, uh, McAfee antivirus, became a big guy. Then he became like, I'm going to be the exposing government secrets guy. He was paying money on the dark web to get all this stuff. Went to jail in Mexico. And there's lots more to that. But he was like heavy on the podcast scene. Like he was out there saying, uh, you know, conspiracy stuff or however you want to put it. And then he made all these videos in jail being like i'm would never kill myself like he has a tattoo he goes this is a tattoo that says i would never kill myself i love my wife i love my life and i'm still in perfect mental state but i have a feeling they're trying to and he just kept making these videos being like they're trying to kill me. i will not kill myself and then the next day they're like suicide John mcafee <laughs> yeah. found dead in barcelona or something yeah Fuck, man. Yeah. Did you see... So I watched this Jake Tran. There's a YouTuber. He makes sick sort of short documentaries. If anyone wants to find out more about okay. this McAfee situation, I'll put the... I'll find the link and put it in the show notes. Um, He made the antivirus software <laughs> in a day and a half. Really? It took him a day and a half to code it. And within a month, four million companies were using it. And then within two years... Half of the Fortune 500 companies had it on their on their computers, and it took him a day and a half. And then he got some wow. some guy that he lived next door to <laughs> supposedly poisoned his dogs, and then the next day that guy was found dead. And John McAfee was like, "Don't know what you're talking about. Don't know what you're talking oh about. God. Nothing to do with me." I didn't know that part of the story. Wild. It was in some some not Venezuela, but some equally mental country. And uh, yeah, and then he had schwacked, didn't he? Hash like dollar sign whacked on his uh, tattooed on his arm, and that was also his crypto that you could buy. But it was I'll never be killed. And then the final thing was he said um he tweeted out that sixteen terabytes of government secret data is going to be released, and I can't stop it. <clears throat> if anything if ever happens to me but that hasn't come out yet which that sucks yeah that's a bummer it did seem like that yeah he he, he was really hard on the, if i die everyone's going down with me and then he died and no one was still waiting for the package i know but is it because he's got a lawyer that's tweeted something else as well saying um i'll i've i can't stop it once the wheels are in motion there's no way for me to stop it, it sounded like he was setting off a nuclear reaction or something but yeah, I mean, I mean yeah. that's what that's what everyone's waiting for. If he's got to be, if he's got to go, and he's like seventy five. I mean, he'd had like he'd lived a pretty crazy life, given the fact he was seventy five. But yeah. and he was like this, 
you know, kind of ladies man type, you know, he was trying to be like a Hugh Hefner sort of situation for a while. Like he was really letting, letting the money fly and uh, trying to live this Dan Blazerian sort of lifestyle. He was really into scat, Which, according to some of his ex-girlfriends. <laughs> which is an interesting insight. Dude, I always see like the damn Blazerian type. Even what McAfee was doing where it's like, I get the idea of at the end of the night, you know, whatever. Uh, you're like, I want to have sex with two hot chicks. The damn Blazerian, he goes on these trips with like seven girls. And it's like, have you ever like hung out with your like, like a chick you're dating and like two or three of her friends? It's like, what, that's your life? You just hang out with these like seven squawking friggin' insta-hoes like that? That's your, imagine you go on a trip to a island with just you and seven annoying girls. Like, (laughs) this guy must be like the biggest loser. Like, who, the only person I could think that would want to do that is like a gay dude. Like, uh, one of your gay friends would be like, oh, I'm hanging out with the seven chicks. Like, it's, the thing Dan Blazerian does, he's like, cool, right? And I'm like, I'd rather shoot myself than be in a, a private jet with like seven models from Instagram that don't really know each other. Like, what is this? Well, it's cool for the moment that that photo's taken. Like, if you cool were able to, photo. maybe he's completely trolled everyone and he just gets the girls in for that and then they have to fuck off and stay in a different apartment and he's just he just yeah. sits up late at night like playing card and, and reading philosophy or something. Yeah, it is the business model. Like, I guess there is a part of it where it's like, I get that where you're like, no, but I have to do this because this is my business as I go take these photos. It's a heavy price to pay, man. It's a heavy price to pay. But also, who thinks this is cool? I'm just like, like, how does any guy fool? Like, I can't, I don't know a single guy that would, that would see like seven, you're like my chick and seven hot girls are going on a trip and they say that you could have sex if you come when you go. Can I just show up that night? Like, do I really (laughs) be there for a week? This is where this is where the internet gets things so much quicker than even anyone else. Because I was seeing Dan Bilzerian is the ultimate man child. I was seeing videos with those sorts of titles. Eighteen. Oh, the internet turned on or him. two yeah, yeah, two yeah. years ago, and this was yeah, before and he didn't have this money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you start to see that well before even like the other internet. You think. There's so many layers to the level of investigation that people are prepared to do. I know what you mean. Yeah, Yeah. they're so ahead of the curve with that. They're ahead of the curve with, like, we don't like that anymore, too, with things. Yeah, as soon as... (laughs) Like, there there is a very... If you're on that pulse of the internet, when people are talking about that stuff, and you go, in six months, you'll hate him. You know what I mean? Like, you can kind of already see the... Like, Elon Musk was a perfect example of that. Like, What do you mean? It was you... Well, I saw the, the... he, you know, he was like on this cool shit poster, dude, and everyone was kind of like, Elon Musk is sick and doing the Rogan appearances and all that stuff. And I could see the bumbling underneath the people being like, this guy's a loser. Like, you know what I mean? And like not even the way that the media hated him where the media, you know, lies about him and doesn't like guys like him. I could see that people was like, regardless of that stuff, it's like this guy is annoying. Like I could just see the, the fumblings of that the same way they turned on White Claw. Like there was a minute where like, <laughs> everyone loved it. Or Jewel. Yeah, like all that stuff. Like you could see that it was turning like quick. Like, you know what I mean? You can see how quickly it it uh, turns. They're trying to launch in the UK at the moment, White Claw. Oh, it doesn't have it there? No. Well, it, it does now, but only just. Oh, well, I'm in Canada and they didn't have it in Canada when I came here. And when I came here, I was like, this is the best. 
And that was for like three days. I was telling everyone, I was like, this White Claw thing's game changer. I was here for about a week before it turned into like, yo, if you drink White Claw, you're gay, dude. <laughs> <laughs> like, I had about a week. So it was, they were giving it the like, the, you know, the treatment like you're drinking a cooler. You know what I mean? Like, that, <laughs> they switched hard. I think the beer companies, like, on low key, like, if you work for like Bud, they launched like the underground, like, I don't know, maybe they own White Claw, but maybe that's what it is. Well, so beer just, companies have their underground. Dude, I had this woman on, the, I had the woman who, uh, who did the Fire Festival documentary on, okay. and um, she cool. did this big investigation into a bunch of other brands that basically used the same model that sort of really weaponized. Meme about their enemies? Exactly, yeah. So social media yeah. influence and all this sort of stuff. And um, White Claw and Jewel and WeWork were three of the biggest ones that came up. Right. So what did what did Jewel do? Like they 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 tried to pretend like to be doing vape tricks was like, yeah, no, like ripping cool. a Jewel and this sort of stuff. But you saw it. It was oh, yeah. they just seeded shit tons of products to micro influencers with between like three and ten k. Just seeded yeah. everybody with it, and then all of the people that were below that thought that's the shit that's what everyone's using but yeah you're right yeah. like when when people see through it like if you if the come up is this hard then the come down tends to be pretty sharp as well it does yeah i mean jewel i got everyone hooked up when i'm i i never like smoked properly and when i came here i had a i had a good like four or five months where i was i was like on the jewel for you like, would have jewels at a bar yeah and i would just be like yo this kind of rules and then at one point, and then I start buying disposables. Then I got one, and then and then I'd be like jeweling while I'm editing during the day. And then a couple of weeks ago, I go, all right, this is done. We're we're going cold turkey on this. Were you the able, were you able to just quit it? I go, I'm not starting smoking at 35. I, it's, it's like, <laughs> I made it so long. <laughs> yeah, dude. I go, it's ridiculous. I go, what? I just started smoking, like, because it's you know, I thought it was just fun, because some teenagers just, told you that it was cool. <laughs> yeah. At some point, I'm like, okay, well now I. It started as like I guess ironic, and now like this is there's nothing ironic here. I just do it. Wrong. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just stop. a sad. I'm just a sad 35 year old smoking while he edits a video. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sitting there in my underwear editing videos, fucking jeweling, and I go, "This isn't good." <laughs> like, <I'm> like, <laughs> so I just stopped. I go, "I'm done here." There's an affiliate on TikTok who's retired off the back of your commission, but. Is laughing his way to the bank as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it hell. is. But yeah, it is one of those things too, where it's you know, their jewel was like, "Hey, we're hip," and it's like, "Yeah, I mean, you legitimately just got a generation of kids addicted to smoking. You guys are fucking evil." It's fairly powerful, yeah. If that's one thing to do. Did you see this this Ollie London story? The guy from the UK who got surgery to look like a the Korean person. You see this? <laughs> yeah, that guy. He's from UK. That yeah. guy rules. Yeah. Him and Rachel Dolezal, uh, Rachel Dolezal was like giving him props. I don't know, man. It feels it feels like one of your sketches. It feels exactly yeah, like yeah. one of your sketches. I haven't been able to really do a trans sketch that I felt like was good enough to make without it seeming like hacky. I actually filmed one and then didn't even release it because I didn't feel like it was good enough, and I rarely do that because the trans stuff is the one that. Like exactly, like doing something like transracial. It just I don't know. It feels like hack to me, like boomery or something. So I couldn't, I could, I couldn't. Uh, I've I've never been able to think of something with trans stuff that I didn't think. You know, I get a million people being like, "Do like a trans guy winning like the trans woman winning Olympics." Like, oh, I'm not doing that. 
But it was making me laugh. I just went to a hot dog eating competition uh, two days ago. <laughs> so the American, you, you know, eating the competitive eating in America. I've seen. I it, was. Yeah. I'm not going to do this, but it was like making me laugh. The idea of if a trans uh, because because the the winner for the guys wins eats 78, and the winner for the girls was like 23. Like it's not even like the difference. Is oh, so wild. okay. So a, an eating competition would be a real difference between the two. Yeah, yeah, probably more than anything, yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> because boys are socialized to eat more than girls. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's the reason. Dude, there's this one guy, Joey Chestnut. It, by the way... I've heard of him. Is, I've seen him on the internet. It, it's, in, it's incredible. And uh, the announcers take it seriously. My favorite part is... <laughs> <one guy Peter. laughs> yeah, yeah, Has go, he got walkout so music? They all, oh, yeah. They have walkout music. They, they, they announce it like kind of a mix between wrestling and basketball. And the one guy pukes <laughs> and the announcer goes, a reversal. Oh, no. <laughs> they call it a reversal. When it gets <laughs> but, so, he no, he's like a celebrity when he comes out, Joey Chestnut. Like the other guys, you know, some of the guys don't even want to compete because he's so much better than everyone else. It's like bad for their eating brand to just go get spanked by Joey Chestnut. Right. But the funniest part to me was the girl guy thing. So the guys. It's so serious and there's real like money in it, the endorsements. They have two referees each. So there's like 10 people on the stage and each guy has two referees that stand under them. And when they finish a hot dog, the referees have a sign. They have to both sign off. And if the both referees agree that that was a full dog, they put it on the board. You know what I mean? Like they give the hand, they have all these symbols. On the girls, they have one referee for 20. It's like honor system. They're like, I don't know, how many do you think you ate? Just like, <laughs> <laughs> That's how like little they care about the girls. <laughs> they have twenty referees. Each guy has two referees. The girl one, they're just like after you finish, like I don't know, write on a piece of paper how many you think you probably ate. Oh my like, god! I'll give the trophy up. Yeah, but no, it was it was super fun. Where was that? They, Coney Island. I, and this is, uh, you know, when uh, like you know, metropolitans people talk about how they're so like liberal or whatever, but then you go ten minutes out, it's a whole different world, right? This is. They go, I go there. They, first of all, uh-oh, do you still see me? Okay. Yeah. So first of all, they bring out um, the mayor, de Blasio. He's like the mayor. He's the mayor here. For the eating competition. He's kind of like, yeah, yeah, he, but he's supposed to, um, I, but he's like the super liberal mayor and they don't like him right now. Well, in, in New York they do, but anywhere else they don't, right? He's got the hot dog eating competition hat on. And he's trying to be like cute. He's like, you know, I relish in the opportunity to be here. And it was like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and then the girl who won the competition, her name is Melissa, I think it was. And then he goes, he goes on. And then she's giving, he's giving her the award, and people are yelling, "You deserve better, Melissa." And then they bring out the. <laughs> so this, he, he's just like, I don't even want to really be here. Like he's just trying to. You know what I mean? So then, then after he finishes, they bring out the head prosecutor, like the DA. What's he the gonna head, do? Like the, What's he there for? He comes, out, he comes out and he's like, he's like in the a mafia type, you know, attitude, right? He's there with his two boys, his sons, and he's like, I'm just here. I'm telling you that I'm about to keep these streets safe. And everyone's like, hell yeah, brother! So everyone's cheering for this guy because, like. Like, imagine in New York, like, they're trying to defund the police. We're freaking half hour over. They're cheering for, like, the head prosecutor, right? So it's, it's just, like, so funny how much of a different world the hot dog eating competition brings out the trash. Jesus Christ. But, yeah, I was, having, I was, like, laughing so much that, you know, anything they mention about COVID and wearing a mask, everyone's like, fuck you. Like... <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> it was funny. Man, it's so funny that you say about how it was too boomery basically to do a, a trans sketch or to, to, to try and come up with one. It feels a bit you know, hacky or I've whatever. I've done stand up about it. I've done stand up about it, but yeah, I haven't, I haven't thought of a sketch that doesn't feel but doesn't like. But doesn't, doesn't that show like just how sharp the bleeding edge or the subtle edge of culture is at the moment? That like yeah. one of the yeah. main things that's seen as part of the culture war is in a guy that focuses on political and cultural and sociological different phenomenon it's it's like too obvious even though it's the main story but the fact it is one of the main stories makes it too obvious yeah dude you gotta uh, there, there's like so much to it and that's what all at the end of the day you have to just trust your instincts and you can't always explain it like a lot of times on stage i used to you know one of those things where it's you want people on stage being like oh yeah like i've been trying to say that not like you know, where you kind of say it, and you realize everyone was already agreeing with you. Like there's, there's some version of that. And then on top of that, you need to be able to understand what the interpretation is. That's why on stage, I like it more because people can see me and I control how they see it. And I can react. If I feel like they're agreeing too much in a certain way, I'll kind of pull the other way. And I can kind of, I can kind of maneuver people's brains to where I like wanted them to be, I think. But on the internet, you can't really control how people interpret it. So if I felt like I was going to, you know, do a joke about that stuff, I'd have to really make sure that it's not going to be like weaponized where it's like, everyone's like, yeah, a few friggin' trans people. Like, you know what I mean? Cause that's, especially if that was in my position. So I think there's also the inability, the, uh, the, like the level, which you think it's going to be like misinterpreted or misappropriated or weaponized for like some cause that you didn't want to. So, and again, I told you, I was saying off camera before, but that's why I like, don't like doing a lot of those political pundits stuff because they just, they take what your message and bastardize it because they, uh, they can't be trusted. <laughs> well, that was something I was thinking about. Like, how do you avoid audience capture in that way? Cause you can get wrapped up in being the new darling of the left or the right or whoever yeah. resonates with the point that you're making or hates the people that you're mocking, right? Do you ever feel the temptation yeah. to kind of lean in to give people what they want to hear? And then kind of how do you, how do you avoid that capture? Well, it's the dark arts, right? That, like I think of that as um, the, the dark arts of this whole thing. It's kind of like you can, there, there's that in making money. There's that in business. Like, you know, you're like, ah, we could probably grow quicker if this. I could probably get more girls if I did this. Like there's always you know, if I could get more girls, if I just lied, you know what I mean? <laughs> there's, there's, why not just straight up lie and say you got a million, you know, whatever, but it might not be good long-term strategy. So, um, yeah, you, you gotta be, I, I mean, for starters, I think the most important thing, it helps, uh, uh, doing it for so long that I, that I, my opinions aren't going to change. Like I've seen a lot of people that when it happens, what you said, they get become a darling of this something. And then, you know, you see them a year later and they just have all the opinions of that thing. Lo and behold, you know, like I'm not going to change what I think about nothing. Like I've been uh, in this game, you know, talking about stuff, forming opinions for a long time. Right. So I think what I have, I think my perspective is infallible to, you know, uh, people telling me what they think I should think or whatever. Like, but then on top of that, I think the only thing you can really do to avoid like pandering is you have to be willing to like take the hits, especially, and it gets tough. Like, you know, right now it's a little, it's a little, the, you know, the news is a little calmer, right? 
And it's, you know, everyone kind of builds a brand in an election cycle, especially if you talk about culture, things are a little bigger on the internet. There's more to be said, the pandemic, lots was happening. And then when that starts dropping a bit, you see people just go for like hard panders, you know? And I think that's what stand up. Everyone knows there's people that, you know, that are good at like kill, but everyone's like, yeah, but that sucks, right? So you need to, you get better at like, who's the real criticism? And then you need to sift out. You go, people go, this sucks. Like you go, is this people that are just like, writing me off because they disagree or is this people that that are have legitimate criticisms and you need to be able to like sift is this people that like me that you know i've gone the other way a lot of people that someone like me uh i don't even need to like mention names but there's a lot of big comics that would kind of come out of what me people like me the new like dissonant comedy voices if you want to put it in some way like that they'll go oh um these guys, you know, are bad or their fans are bad or whatever. Right. And I'll go, nah, dude, like, I know you want it to be loved. That's what you'd love. If I was just this right guy, like you fucking, that would be perfect for you, but that's not the case. You know, who loves me? People that used to like you, like really a lot of these people, it's like, we'll go to the, they'll be at my shows and be like, yeah, I used to like that guy. He's kind of weird now. You know what I mean? He's kind of all like the only thing you, he's just like a political pundit now. I like you because, you know, you kind of make fun of everything. And then, but so they can, those people are looking at this and lying to themselves about what's the reality. They go, oh, they're just, I guess all my old fans just turned into Nazis. Like, you know, so I think you need to try to, that's, you know, do stand up. Don't lie to yourself about what you think's funny, where you go, you're putting stuff out that you know is just like red meat for pandering. And, uh. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a tough one, though, because that's what you see a lot of these companies that their goal is just to kind of like Internet companies, especially just to make as much money as possible, get as much clicks as possible. And they end up bastardizing, like, you know, what's good, to be honest, you know. What's that word where the audience is just the only reason that they're applauding is because they're agreeing? There's like a word for it in the comedy circle. People say clapter. Is that what you mean? Yes. Clapter. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Um, but you see that a lot, right? And I've heard other comics talk about it as well, that you don't necessarily need to be funny to actually get a relatively good set out now. You just need to say things that reinforce the beliefs or the prejudices that the people that are sat in your audience already have. There was a moment have. for that. You, and this is, you know, see, I, th- this is kind of that thing where I go, you know, fuck Fox News in those places. Like, that, they put that narrative out there. It's This is, like, it's not really that true. It's like... Dude, there was maybe a moment where in the right thing in front of your fans, if you're like some super Trump's the worst guy and you go to your fans, yes. The same way that if you're some super right wing guy and you go to your fans and you're like, yo, Biden's old, everyone will be like, yeah, dude. Yeah. Like, isn't this, this Biden guy freaking sucks? Sorry. You go, and then everyone go, oh, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And then, so it depends on. It depends really on like what your side is. But if in the real world, in comedy clubs, if you went out right now, you're like, and that's the reason that Trump friggin', uh, you know, sucks and this and that. A lot of people in the audience kind of roll their eyes right now. Like people, audiences aren't as stupid as people want to say they are. You've been following this story about the Mumford and Sons thing. So obviously you were in a, you're in a band. I guess this might have a special place in your heart. Yeah, yeah. That it, This one's like funny because it is like, the truth is, if you're in a band, 
and you're going to get out there with your dissonant opinions, you better not be the friggin', you know, playing the, the, the cheese grater with a stick. (laughs) You can't, you better not be guy number 12 in the band. You know what I mean? (laughs) <laughs> you better you better not be the washboard the like backup washboard player if you're gonna get out there with your freaking opinions especially so you know it's just like at a company right like imagine you had like 10 founders of a company and one guy is out there so i get why if they're like hey all we have to do is shut up it's like you're gonna get out there and like we're getting all this heat and you're saying saying all this stuff because you want to you know be this guy that's part of the culture war and you're ruining our lives. Listen, that's what we were saying because he posted Andy Noe's uh, book or whatever. That's that was his whole thing. He said Andy Noe's book was good against why Antifa is bad. But imagine like the rest of them, like behind closed doors, they're like, yeah, yeah. I mean, we all love Andy Noe. Like imagine the rest. Of <laughs> yeah, the but band. we weren't stupid enough to tweet about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you go to their dressing room, it's just like all of them like Andy Noe reading Andy Noe. Like, just huge. <laughs> photos of Andy on the wall. All the inside of the tour yeah, yeah. bus has got like sh- there's a shrine to him at the end of the night. <laughs> But they're just like, we have to, we can't say this publicly. Of course we all love Andy, no. So that was, I, I don't know. Or or they all, or they were just like sick of this guy's shit. So it's hard to know what the scenario is. But I would say that, in, in my opinion, in a band or a TV show or a job or anything, it's like, listen, if you are not the singer or songwriter in a band, you won the lottery. Like you legitimately... You were friends with a guy who got really famous and now you're a millionaire because of it. That's legitimately what happened. So right wing or left wing or opinions or anything like that, like you do what he says. Like you're be- that's in my opinion, I, I would kind of, uh, I've seen a lot of musicians that get famous on both sides that they start thinking they're you know more important. Like this guy's like, you know, I need to get out there with my opinions. It's like your opinions, you're like the, you know, like the spoon player from <laughs> Slipknot, <laughs> number guy number guy number twenty one from Slipknot, yeah, 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 guy who plays the nineteenth garbage lid, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was interesting. So, so I had a look at this. I had a look at this article, and he said, um, "This is talking about Winston Smith. He blamed a viral mob for his decision to leave the band permanently. I failed to foresee that commenting on a book critical of the far left could be interpreted as approval of the equally abhorrent far right." Then he said, "Winston said his Mumford and Son." bandmates had asked him to stay with them after the tweet but when he decided to step back from the band another viral mob came after me this time for the sin of apologizing but it's like yeah, once yeah, you put yourself weren't... in there you you're gonna get wrecked no matter where you are he was he was literally doing the thing where he's like oh crap i'll apologize and everyone's like yo why'd you apologize he's like okay i don't apologize there's only two buttons I mean... i've only got two buttons <laughs> this guy doesn't have the temperament to be you know and even if you read what he says it's like I agree, kind of. It's like, you know, he's even what he just said now, he's like, well, I guess like me not being, you know, left wing makes me right wing now. And you're like, yeah, you're right. That's how they see it. <laughs> that is correct. That's he, it. It literally so, says it here. Being labeled erroneously just goes to show how binary political discourse has become. I criticize the left, so I must be the right yeah, or, but you're like, or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, you don't, you're not aware of this? Like, this is a, like this is just news to you now. Like this guy's gonna be now. He, now what? He goes on like the Dave Rubin tour, like saying shit that we all like thought in 2013. Apologize or, on the or, view. You know? Goes and apologizes on the view. Or he goes, goes the other. Way. So no man, I, I obviously that sucks. Like 
if you're, you know, whatever, some guy in some band and you're famous and you got all these opinions and you post anything you think and your life's over. But uh, that is the, that is the situation. So I, I, I'm a big and, and you know what? I, I mean, I'm not, I shouldn't trash him because he goes, this is what I want to do. And now I'm going to go say what I want to do. And he, he made maybe he's pretty rich right now. So to be honest, like maybe there's nothing more to be said than that's what this guy didn't. You know, now he can go start his one man ukulele show that won't be very <laughs> successful. And, you know, he can write a he can write like he can do reaction videos to Andy. No, but, <laughs> but, but there, there, this is the problem with like uh the conservative people where they're just like constantly flabbergasted with journalists. Like they'll be like, these journalists are liars. And you're like, yes, that's the, that's the situation. It's like, now, okay, now, now that we're on the same page on planet earth, you understand that these people aren't journalists and they lie. And if you're, and if you're anyone smart, like if you run a company, you understand that like, Hey, how can I use these journalists? If I have something. And by the way, a lot of these people are the same. You go, if I, if I want to use you like the dark arts, for my company, for my thing, I need to find a message that resonates with what you're trying to say. And if you're like a big company right now, you go, okay, all these publications want to say that, you know, fat girls are hot. So it's like, I need to make my soap have fat girl stuff. It's like, if you're Tucker Carlson, I need to, you know, say some shit about cancel culture if I want you to promote my, like, so yes, all of these journalists are liars. Now, now, okay, now we're on the same page. What, how do you, what are we doing? And I think that for me, I mean, try to, I try to make funny stuff, right? You know, you're, it sounds like you try to have interesting conversations and you try, whatever, right? But it is, I, it's like, you, it is like, I have, I have relatives that are like this and it's like, they get fixated on like, it'll be the, the equivalent of like, they're dating a girl and they're like, oh, this girl just is like this. And you're like, yes, that's how she is. That's correct. You know what I mean? <laughs> like they're not, they're not changing. Like, no, that's what journalists are. They're, they're all liars. Yes, correct. Politicians are liars. So what? What now? I, th I uh, does that make sense? What yeah, absolutely, ma'am. I think it's the, the mad thing is I can see it from both sides because I can understand why as a a conservative, you know, a, a, a Daily Wire guy, a Shapiro kind of guy, a Tucker Carlson kind of guy, you think, well, this is unfair. The press continue to say things that we know are, yeah. are wrong. Logically, they don't make sense. They're hypocritical. They're incon uh, inconsistent or whatever. So you think, well. Okay, I understand that highlighting the hypocrisy might be compelling to you, and it might actually garner views. But on the the other side of the argument, it doesn't seem to be actually changing anything. It's not moving anything no, at not. all. So you just think, well, I mean, it makes for kind of like fun woke bashing viewing if you have that le that sort of political leaning and you agree with that. But it's not going to further your agenda because you've done this. 3,000 times before and it doesn't appear yeah. to make any any difference. You're right. This is the this is the status quo. This is how everything works. It's written into the source code of the operating system that you you and everybody else is living in. But the problem is that because the left dominates the media and they have control of these narratives mostly, usually, that you have a lot of sort of reactionary stuff from the right that says, oh, well, we th this is terrible. It's outrageous. We can't have this. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, exactly. And it and to me, it's it's kind of, I guess the reason it, um, I don't know, uh, like even right now, like as I'm saying, I'm kind of like, like maybe going too hard on some of these people, if you want to say, but it's the same way when you go, remember when, like there are valid like criticisms of Donald Trump as a president, but when everyone was out there being insane, being like he's worse than Hitler, 
you kind of, uh, you know, most normal people, I think, when someone goes, I have a bunch of things about Trump, you go, ah, yeah. Not it. Ugh. yeah, join the you crowd. Know, shut up. Shut up. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And it's the same thing with this, where it's like, it, it, it's like a uh, grifting almost, you know, where they just like take real issues in it and then uh, bastardize them into like partisan things where it's like, no, this doesn't have to be like a partisan thing that like, you know, uh, YouTube censorship, and obviously it is probably more conservatives more, but it's like, it's everyone. And it's like, there are certain issues where it's like, that's why it's hard to touch them because like abortion is just a partisan issue. If you're this, you're this, if it's this, they're this, there's no change in anyone's mind. And it's like, they they try to use the dark arts of like galvanizing their base on these issues and just turn them into partisan issues when like a lot of times they kind of didn't have to be. And I think like comedy is, would be a perfect example. It's like, dude, edgy comedy shouldn't be like a left wing, right wing thing. And I understand that it kind of is, but it won't. That's going to swing back. Like, and so I don't really want to be part of this like movement to be in like, if you like edgy comedy, that's conservative. And you're like, no, you, you want it to be that because you want to like attach yourself to this like cultural power right now for views. So I, I guess I like resent like, uh, like m grifting by like machine to like uh, gulp up co uh, cultural movements and then uh, try to use them for like political reasons. Well, it's kind of like the boy that cried wolf in one way. You know, if 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 everybody's racist, then nobody is racist. If everything is racist, then nothing yeah. is racist. And you're right as well. After a while, the Donald Trump stories, you just thought you can't one up this anymore. There's no more uh, shy of getting into his sexual kinks, which we kind of already got did. You know, there's there's almost nowhere that you can take this to that one ups the story so that people will actually take notice. And when there's so much of a flood, <laughs> yeah. you can't. What are you gonna? What are you gonna do now? What are you gonna talk about now? That like, there is nowhere else yeah. for you to scale this up. And um, you're right. What happens is that legitimate concerns get lost within a a big avalanche of people jumping onto something that they know is just going to get agreement from their side and generate clicks. Yeah, I think so. Where it's, yeah, that's where it becomes that struggle. Like you said, once you, I think a lot of people like, you know, the Jim Jeffries, even like, you know, he got famous off this like gun control bit. And then it was like, before he knew it, he's like this left-wing pundit, right? Like before that he was like the, you know, getting drunk and having sex with girls, like, you know, kind of, I don't know, like Australian frat sort of comedy or whatever you want to call it. Right. But which I like, but it just, you know, you have one, one thing and it becomes that. And I kind of, so you do, you have to, you kind of fight back against it and make, you know, make other things and you uh, try to decide what you want to be. And I don't know, there, there isn't like a right answer. I think that's like the whole, you know, being an artist part, but if you're just trying to make as much money as possible, as quick as possible or grow as quick as possible, I think you just end up, doing that right did you see what the couple who came out of the house with guns last year the mcclovskis yeah they, haven't they released <laughs> yeah, like yeah. A, a brand of hot sauce or something what have they done <laughs> they've done so funny, yeah. i swear that they've merchandised themselves somehow what have they done it's like i've seen silhouettes <laughs> of them posted on mugs or something Dude, that's so funny, like, having people over and or going to someone's house and bringing your, like, own McClowski's hot sauce. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're so into the... You're like, I, I, I don't even... I'm a liberal. It's just... This is, it's too it's good. fucking good hot sauce. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's, that, that's exactly one of, the, so one of the same things, right? You've got someone that's kind of found some sort of success 
a little bit of yeah. clout online. Like, okay, how long can we rinse this for? The silhouette of him and his wife stood with an AR-15 outside of their house <laughs> in the front of some hot sauce. We got toilet roll. We got condoms. Yeah, yeah trigger, you know, triggered hot sauce or whatever, right? But um, <laughs> there was a, yeah, I'm not triggered. But uh, have, have, have you ever read the book? Like, I mean, a lot of this stuff where I'm applying to politics and, and marketing, and it's always, always like, for one, what's your goal? But, you know, like Tipping Point. Have you ever read any of those kind of books? Um I, I, I'm not sure if it's Tipping Point or one of the other ones. It might have been another Malcolm Gladwell book, but I think it, I think it might be Tipping Point. But he talks a lot about that with with uh, Vans and Airwalk. Um, but it's like there's two ways to go, right? If If your brand is like taking off really quickly, you know, option one is you pour as much gasoline on it as possible and try to like milk it as quick as possible. And that, you know, you kind of need to decide whether you're that kind of brand or whether you can actually pivot those fans into something else. Or, And then there's option two where you actually push back against it, which, you know, it's like, you know, again, if I do like a big video that was popular with like conservatives, then the next week I tried to do something like there was again, like I did the next week I came out where it was like, it's not always PC culture. And then I kind of, when uh, I felt like, it was, I, you know, I was doing like a lot of videos about like Fox and CNN being bad. And then if I felt like I was kind of too biased towards one side, I tried to go the other way. So I, in a lot of ways, I tried to, one, like it's a little like less clean of a branding, but you're just like, listen, I'm not going to stray away from who I actually am, which is like that I, I'm not going to say one side's good and one side's bad. Like I'm just everyone's people. And I think that I'm focused on that. And then and then if you start finding yourself like growing too quick and it's the wrong way, you kind of, you pour, what's the opposite of gasoline? Like sand like maybe, or something? Yeah. Yeah, you sand. Yeah, you pour some sand on sand on it a little bit. So I think that I, being naturally contrarian, I maybe do it too much, but I think I, a lot of times I pour sand on my own like growth just out of a spite for like not being, you know, looked at a certain way. What are you being pulled through by then? Is it just... I want to find something that's funny here. Is it just I want to find the funniest thing and try and go after that? Or is there a more sort of central thrust that you've got? I think it's like, how do you be the greatest artist? Like, how can I be? You know, I, I really do love the idea of looking back at like a body of work and being like super proud of it, you know, and not looking at it and being like, oh, and I, I've done, you know, I was in a pretty successful band before comedy and then I was in, uh, you know, I used to make TV and all like traditional before I kind of moved to America. And, and I mean, you know, you ever like you look at things and you go, ah, that's when I got crappy. And there is this other element of like, listen, if you can figure out how to make money and you can figure out how to, uh, you know, monetize what you're doing and then be bigger, like all that stuff's going to help. Like even just the smallest things of, you know, having a lot of success in New York, you can have, you can kind of go do spots at whatever clubs you want a little easier, right? So there's just, you do need, you can't just be like in your basement. So you do need to look at all of this stuff and be like, no, I do need to grow. And I, so, all right, how much time should I put in stand up? Is this, is that lacking? Like how much time have, should I be doing the videos? Like, and then when, when you're doing the videos, you go, am I kind of getting away from comedy? Am I getting preachy? Whatever it is, right? So just like doing those analysis on yourself. But I think if you say what the goal is, is to when you're, when I'm, you know, 60, kind of look back and be like pretty sick, like stuff that I made, you know, be like, 
they'll have like eight stand-up specials and you know like i'm like all right you know six of those were pretty freaking good and just be like that you know that movie i made like that was actually a really good movie and like that just looking back at stuff and being like kind of which i have a lot of things in my life that i, I look back on art wise and i'm like pretty cool you know you'll be like all right that was good but then i have other things where i look back and i go yeah we were getting off track there that sucked <laughs> it's so funny man because i wonder how many people that have got success at the moment or uh, we're seeing sort of flying up through the echelons of whatever it is, YouTube, podcasting, stand-up, comedy, acting, movies, whatever, I actually would look back and say that they were proud of the body of work that they're, they're looking behind or whether they look back and say, well, that was just, it fed the algorithm. It, it sort of told people what they wanted to hear. It was a bit hacky. It yeah. was a bit melodrama, <laughs> but whatever. I, I, I'm, I'm on my yacht. It doesn't matter. I definitely think that starting with the end in mind of thinking, yeah, I want a good body of work that I'm proud of that other people think is cool yeah. or other people think is interesting or insightful or give them a, a perspective yeah. that they don't see elsewhere. That that by its nature will bring some success with it. But as you said there, you can be too heterodox. You can be the guy in the basement, totally anti-marketing. I don't need an Instagram. I don't need a YouTube channel. It's like, well, you, you're going to still be in your basement. Like you need to play the game, yeah. but know that it's not about the game. That's a good way to put it. I really like that. Yeah. You need to play the game, but it's, it's not the, the game's there to help you get what you want. So you can, you know, you can operate your business the way that you want it to. Yeah. And, and you make them and they're everything's little choices. And that's why I'm like a big proponent of like instincts on stage. Like when I'm on stage, I'm not having a dis conversation of, should I do this or should I do that? It's like, I'm trusting, you know, the years of doing it. And you, so you, when you do the opposite of your instincts, as long as they're not, you know, getting malaligned, malaligned or whatever that word would be, you kind of, you're like a perfect example on like a little scale. Like if you look at everyone in the like internet game for the most part that does like videos like me, they all take their videos and then they cut them with subtitles and they usually put it in a box with like the title over top of it, right? I mean, bar it, yeah. They meme bar it. And I, I don't do that. And I know that it, it hurts my views, especially on platforms, on phones. But it is this thing we're going back to, like the body of work thing. You know, things are going to change and here and there. But I'm like, I do like, like looking at all the, having all these sketches that like look the way that they're supposed to look. And maybe they don't get shared as much right now. But I think if someone that like cares about good things look through all my stuff they kind of will look at it like it was a uh, a sketch that was made like in that context and not you know this like internet thing or something i don't know so to me that's like a sacrifice i'm willing to like make because i have like how i want it to be seen or something people really struggle to work out what's a trend and what's like an evergreen addition to the body of work so there's, yeah, there's yeah, certain totally. new things that get added on that you're like, wow, this wasn't a thing before. It is a thing now. And it still will be in 20 years time. This is a yeah. game changing pivot or an extra little limb that we've added on to whatever the thing totally. is. Totally. But sometimes it's just a little wiggle in the market or a, a little trend that comes through and you're going to look back. I was listening to Tim Dillon and he had one of the dudes from Curb on. I can't remember the guy. It wasn't Larry. It was somebody else. And um, he was talking about this guy. You're talking, this dude is so out of touch with a lot of the, the trends and stuff that were going on at the moment, <laughs> right. but found Tim's content hilarious. 
Like, it didn't have a fucking yeah. clue about TikTok. Like, didn't really understand how podcasts worked. You're obviously not finger on the pulse, but fucking epic comedian who really understands his craft. And Jeff Garland? I can't remember. Even if you said the guy's name, I wouldn't that remember. Um, but, but basically, he was saying, you, th you think, right, okay, so Tim, you've managed to, like, you're doing it now, but you're doing it for eternity as well type thing. You know, you're marrying the evergreen and the current. And I think that Try. that's like a real art form. Yeah, and some of them you go, you know what, I'm going to do this because it's like a growth piece. And I'm going to then, you know, there's always that like one for them, one for me came back in the day. But then you're like, who's them, you know? <laughs> um, but when the, the, yeah, when they, when they, when it really started shifting and TikTok has thrown a pretty big wrench into this where it really is like people make their videos. Um, I guess it would be 1280, 1920 reverse, right? So, people are making you know legitimate content and i remember i was doing you know I, i've made like directed commercials and that sort of stuff right and when i was in uh canada i remember doing like this big campaign where it was starting where we were shooting on a like an alexa like you know camera you make movies on and shoot huge commercials on and they would tape off the sides of the lens to, to so to we're get it in, on in 916 so you know, so you know what frame, but you shoot 4K, right? And then we would they would tape it off because you know that you're going to be shooting like that. And it was just like, man, like this sucks. Like so, there is this element of, but that's what it is. Our phones are that, and is that going to be the the majority of how people view videos for the rest of the time? I mean, you you there's a reason why even just from like an ad sales perspective, YouTube's the only thing that like really properly converts. You know, except for, you know, t to ticket sales, to sponsorships. Like, there's a reason why uh, YouTube views are worth legitimately 20 times more money as a TikTok view. Because no one's going from their phone. So, there is something to be said about, like, when I, I kind of noticed that when I first moved here. I was like, all of the big comedians are, like, low-key YouTube stars. Like, you don't think of that, but they are whether that's their podcast on YouTube or, you know, even Rogan, it's like, he's a YouTube star. Like that's what- Got to drive those ticket sales, man. That's what drives it. So that, and there might be something to be said about the fact that, yeah, because they're watching stuff like how it's supposed to be watched. So they're like actually connecting with it where the other way, it's, it's not really designed for you to actually fall in love with it. It's just designed for you to not leave. Maybe, I don't know. And dude, so I, I, think that's, exactly. I think that's totally, totally correct. Like, think about, you can do a thing that at the time you kind of wanted to do or you were tricked into doing, but in retrospect, you wish that you hadn't done. Like, we've all done that with a party or a night out yeah. or, a, or a girl or a yeah, yeah. whatever. And I think that TikTok kind of really is the most aggressive in terms of how that works. And because you're just flicking through this content so quickly, your ability to actually create a, a relationship with the creator it almost doesn't exist. Think about how much time people spend listening to your boys cast podcast or modern wisdom or fucking like the Joe yeah. Rogan experience. You're talking of uh, like hundreds About of the same. hours. They spend the same listening to all three of those podcasts. Yeah. yeah, yeah maybe. <laughs> uh, but you think like you're like a fucking, it's like you're a, a, a God in their ears. You know, there's nothing else. You've got the AirPods in, you're walking around. It's just your sound. That's you're all in, it yeah, is. You're yeah, and you've got this real long time and attention to build a connection. And then 
you need just a little thing to convert them. But I, there's no way, like the, the equivalent number of followers that you would need on TikTok to be able to convert, like no one's clicking off TikTok to go buy Ryan Dude, Long I comedy know people with, tickets. I know people with 3 million, 4 million followers on TikTok that can't sell out, like they can't headline a comedy club. Like they can't sell the tickets like that, you know? And I have, you know, I remember I have, the only thing you can do with TikTok is if you really do it right, you can get them to YouTube. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's a front end of the funnel to get them to a real platform. Yeah, yeah. I've been saying this and for it ages. Is the algorithm works and you can get in front of people. So it is, a you know, people pay a lot of money to get their things in front of people and that algorithm can put you in front of them. But the only thing, I mean, if you're a proper, like what I am, I think you gotta, the only thing you can do is get them to YouTube from that platform. Desperately. What's the yeah, a, what, what's the hardest thing that you do as part of your process at the moment? Is it writing? Is it scripting? Is it editing? Is it actually shooting the stuff? What is it? Like, always, artistically. Uh, always, yeah, yeah. But like sometimes I'll be like when I'm writing, I'm like, oh, writing's like the hardest part. And then when I'm filming, I'm just like, okay, let's just get the filming over. And then when I'm editing, it's like fucking editing sucks. And my chick's like, you know, maybe you just don't like All filmmaking. <laughs> so it, it just depends. You know what? The the truth is um, that I this is the thing that I've realized about myself over the years, and it, I don't always get it right. But I like all of them as long as I get to do just that. I hate the one. I hate when I'm squeezing anything in, and that's like the worst part. So if I'm writing, like I really need to block off where it's like, no, I'm writing today, or at the very least, like till three today. Like the first half of my day is writing, the second half of my day is this. It's when I try to do all of the things that I hate all of them. So when I'm really trying to work on stand up and then it's like, I have to go edit this video, I hate it. But when I say, you know what, I just filmed five videos and for the next, you know, four days I'm editing, I don't hate editing anymore. Or when I say that, uh, like I'm taking this week, I'm going to write six scripts, I don't hate writing anymore. So I don't mind anything when I can, be, I, when I can really like get into it. And then at that point, I like, I, I don't mind all of it, but probably the, the one that's the hardest out of anything, and this just isn't me, this is the probably, I think, would just an objective truth. Uh, writing stand-up is the hardest thing out of all the things. Why? Because everything else that you're doing is like, most of those games are about being consistently really good, and that's a little easier to, to be than, whereas stand-up's about like the one magical home run. So it's like, you're, you're, you're writing all week. Really what you're looking for is that one thing, which was like, oh, that like whatever three ideas came together to form like the perfect idea with the perfect thing. You're looking for like home run, like, you know, nuggets of gold. I mean, I think Jerry Seinfeld said it. And that's really what you are. You're mining for like these real, real gold nuggets. Like you get these these one lines where you're like, that is the perfect friggin' line. That's so funny. Whereas the other stuff, it's like uh, you're, you're, you, like you write a sketch and it's like you really wrote like 20 funny jokes and none of them, like most of those jokes, if you wrote stand up, like none of them would make it, you know, you'd do it more than one speech and like that wasn't good enough. So it's a stand up's harder because you're, you really got to be on your game if you're looking for like home runs and it's, and a lot of times it's the least rewarding because you spend, you know, two, three hours doing stand up and you go try it that night and you kind of had nothing. And so it, it's in a, in a lot of ways you're just like if i did a video i would have made one and it would have been good in this same time so that's why i, I think stand-ups uh, tougher than other art forms it's a really good insight in productivity as well that like my favorite days are wednesday so on wednesdays all i do is just go back through the episodes that are coming up for the for the next week and i know that i don't have anything else no emails there's nothing 
start the day, go to the gym or whatever, and that's it. I have one, I have multiple things, but they're all the same thing, same as editing for videos or whatever. And it's like, and even emails, like if you've got emails doing, you're like, oh, well, I've got like, I can sit down, I can put the TV on, I can watch some some sport or chill out or do whatever. And I've got a couple of hours of emails to do. You actually don't hate the emails that much. You're totally right. It's when they intrude, when you've got just little fragments, snippets of things, because you never get anything done. And then you resent yourself for not having got anything done. And then you think, God, what am I the sort of person that can't even answer a fucking email while he's supposed to be editing this thing? So exactly. Yep. You have to be a, you have to be a douchebag. So it's like, you have to, you have to set those like limits. It's kind of like with anyone you, when you have to be like, I do this this night to some degree, you know, or, or like let people in your life know that, you know, Hey, like your agents, managers, anyone important or whatever you go, Hey, I like, I check my email before it's 12. So if you, it's after like, you know, call me just cause I like you. And then you have to deal with a little bit of them being like, Ooh, like, you know, yeah. Oh, Mr. Big shot. Like, God, <laughs> like, like, don't email me. Like you, and you just, that's just what, but if you have to, you have to honestly get better at like selling your system to people in a way that just doesn't make you seem like too much of a fucking loser. Cause it is, it is like corny to have to be that guy that's like, Hey, like, you know, I, I don't like answer the phone or emails be- after five o'clock and that's, you have a little window, like it makes you feel like a psychopath or, or I do interviews this day and it's, you know, you got, you just got to figure out how to be able to like sell that in a cool way. And some of the times it is just being like, no, I know this is like lame, but like, because of the way my writing thing goes, I got to turn my phone off. So I have to be like, you know, you can kind of say it like that too, well, the, right? The choice is between... <laughs> having the, the silly rules and people calling you an autist or not getting work done. It's like, look, like we're all, the only reason yeah, that anybody here is getting fucking paid is because I get the work done. So we need to make that. This is the priority and everything else comes after Man, Ryan Long, ladies and gentlemen, people want to check out your stuff. Where should they go? Uh, the boys cast with Ryan Long is my podcast every week. First podcast exclusively for the boys. And, uh, uh, at, at youtube.com slash Ryan Long Comedy and everywhere else on Ryan Long Comedy. I release a sketch every single Monday and Sweet. then the podcast every Friday and then the boys cast with, uh, on Patreon as well. The uh, episode comes out every Friday also at patreon.com slash the boys cast. Peace, man. Beautiful. Love it, man. Thank awesome. you so much for coming on. Yeah, great, dude. That was a great conversation. Thanks for having me, man.